0: God tells Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and everyone else who believes, I will be faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. As we consider how God continues working ...to his prophets and priests and kings. Throughout all history, God is weaving a scarlet thread of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end, working all things together for his good. Even when it seems to be that there is no way, God is able to make a way. He is able to abound in the midst of helpless circumstances. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And now we reach that point in King David's life where he's finally able to ascend to the throne... And he decides what he is going to do with the kingdom that the Lord has given him. Second Samuel chapter 7 and beginning in verse 1. When the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. In accordance with all these words, and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Finally, the anointed king of God has ceased warring with the rejected king of God. And he looks around him to consider the kingdom that he has inherited, that God has given him. And he begins to decide what to do. I don't know about you, but the very first memories I have of walking this earth... As I was almost three years old, walking into the front door of the house that we live in and still have outside of Bowling Green, Kentucky, I remember walking in the door. Remember what that was like. I don't know if you have those memories of the the house that you had growing up, maybe the house that, that you dwell in now. Some of you maybe have lived in the same spot your whole life. Maybe you've lived just down the road from where you grew up. Someone has said a house is not a home, but often a home is built around memories of a house. And David begins to look around him, and he notices something in his life. He says, look, I dwell in this house made of cedar, some pretty expensive wood in Bible days. But the ark of God dwells in a tent. Now, shouldn't the ark of God, that most sacred of symbols representing the Shekinah glory of the living God, shouldn't it have a better place in which to dwell? And so Nathan goes before And David goes before Nathan, the prophet, and he says these words to him, and Nathan tells him, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. What a blank check to someone's life. Do all that is within your heart, for the Lord is with you, because when you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. The Lord knows about what David is getting ready to do as David begins to try to prepare that house for the Lord. It's kind of a big challenge. How do you build a house for God? Adrian Rogers, the former pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, inherited it from his predecessor, R.G. Lee. And upon R.G. Lee's death, he was said to have said to him, Dr. Lee, I would love to have your brain. I wish I could take your brain and put it into mine. And R.G. Lee in his rich southern drawl said, my son, that would be like putting a grand piano in a closet. I don't know what the reaction was to that. Can you imagine trying to build a house for God? What do you do with the front door? The heavens declare his glory. Do you build him a chair? What's he put his feet on? The earth is a footstool. You imagine this idea that we have that we can somehow build a house for God. And David hears from the Lord these words, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I who created you... You think you need to build me a house? (laughs) He could have said to him, don't you know I don't dwell in a house made with hands? The entire time that tabernacle and tent is moving around in the Old Testament is demonstrating to the people of Israel that you cannot keep the God of the universe confined to one location. Because he's everywhere. You can't keep him in one place. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. David wants to build God a house, and God responds by saying, I'll make you into a house. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. David isn't wrong in what he's asking here, because he said in Psalm 27, One thing have I desired. What is it that I desire? To dwell in the house of the Lord. To inquire in his temple forever. So his idea may be wrong here, but his heart is right And God says to David, I will make for you a great name like the name of great ones of the earth. Part of what we have to decide in a social media defined age, in an age where everyone has a platform and everybody desires to make a name for themselves, is do you want to go the route of the Tower of Babel? Where everyone decides to make a name for themselves and God disperses their language because of their pride. Or do you desire to go the route of Abram? Who, when he was called by God, was told by the Lord, I will make of thee a great nation. I will make your name great. And from you shall come the descendants as the sands of the seashore, as the stars in the night. Abraham doesn't have a kid, but God says, I'll take care of that. You decide on whether you want to make your name famous. Or whether you want to name, make the name of the Lord great. Here's the thing. You make the name of the Lord great. He takes care of everything else. The constant challenge for us is to decide if it's really true that what God has is better for us than what we have for ourselves. That's the battle throughout life. To think that you know more than God knows. Here's David putting it into the hands of the Lord. When you go out and you try to make your own name great... It will always lead to self-destruction. It never ends well for you. You can do it your way, but your way will lead to death. Your way is the way of hell on your own. But when you rely on the Lord, he says like he did to Abraham, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That's impact that can only be measured by eternity. And it all comes down as it so often does to this one word that we really don't know a whole lot about. It's called covenant. Covenant is a promise. A covenant in the Old Testament often would have been a contract between between two parties. And the Hebrew word for covenant is karat. It's an infinitive. It literally means to cut a covenant. And so these two parties, bilateral nature, would come together, cut an animal in between, and walk between that animal saying, if either of us breaks this covenant, so may it be for us, as it is with this animal. Can you imagine with our politicians and business leaders making promises to us, saying, we will cut you in two if you don't keep it? They took covenants very seriously. It's the whole role of covenant. That's what we talk about when we discuss covenant marriage, till death do us part for better or for worse in sickness and in health. I believe there's a case to be made for covenant membership, that when you join with the church of God, you are saying, I will give the church my all, just as I expect the church to be there for me. But there's a difference here between a bilateral covenant, which is two or more parties, and a unilateral covenant, which is one party. And in the Bible, God makes unilateral covenants. He does that with Noah. What does he do after the flood? He says, I won't flood the earth again. I'll give you a rainbow in the sky to see that promise. He does it with Abraham. He says, I'll make your name great. Your seed will go to the ends of the earth, generations after you. He does that with Moses. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And Now here he is with David saying, David, I will make unto you a house. The Lord declares to you that this house will be like no other house because... This descendant after you shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of your kingdom forever. God tells Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and everyone else who believes, I will be faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. Isn't that a tremendous promise of faith? That the God of the Bible isn't dependent on whether or not you measure up. He's not dependent on whether or not you are enough. He's simply living by his promise. And in a world filled with broken promises, the God of the Bible always, always keeps his word. Is that true? Has he kept his word in your life? The challenge, once again, is to believe the promises of God by faith. And here he gives echoes of Christ. In Second Samuel 7 and verse 12, he talks about what is taking place here. He says, This Lord will declare to you, he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you. It'd be Solomon, the great king, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. How do you establish a throne of a kingdom forever? Every empire at one point or another has thought they could do that. There's some in America who think this country will last forever. Think again. But God says to David, out of your line, it will never cease. Who comes out of his line at the end of his line? It's Christ the Lord. He shall be the one to establish this throne forever. And here's how David responds to all of that. David is reminded by the Lord, I took you out of the field. I brought you up into the palace. I've been there for you every step of the way, and now I'm going to make your name great. And David does the only thing he knows how to do in 2 Samuel 7 and beginning in verse 18. Then David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise, and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. And you established for yourself, your people Israel, to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build your you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. David responds with the only thing he knows how to do here. He simply responds in blessing and in gratitude to the Lord. This is what David does throughout his life. When they say, David, you brought salvation to Israel. He says, the Lord is my salvation. Some were saying, David is the light of Israel. He would say, the Lord is my light. Some would say, David, you brought a blessing on Israel. He says, God is a blessing David, you're a rock. The Lord is my rock. David, you're a shield. The Lord is my shield. David, you're a fortress. The Lord is my fortress. He is my strong tower. David does the only thing that he knows to do. He considers himself and he says, who am I that you have chosen to bless me in this way? So often we walk around as if we deserve our Christianity, as if we deserve what the church of God has given to us. And God tells us that we don't deserve a thing. David looks around him and he says, how could you bless me with this? And if you would ever look around you and stop focusing on what is wrong in your world or the world around you and start focusing on what God has done for you, it would totally change your perspective. This is at the root of all sin, two things. One is pride, the opposite of humility, saying I can make it on my own. And two is ingratitude. Not being thankful for what God has given to me. This has to be our response. Brothers and sisters, when we consider what God has done here through David's line and through Solomon's line and all throughout to the line of Christ, how he has provided salvation for his people, how he has forgiven our sins. As great as your sin is, the grace of God is even greater. How he has promised us joy and peace and pardon and life eternal. We ought to be the most grateful people on the face of the earth. And you know what the church is often known for in the culture? For being grumpy for arguing with one another over the color of the carpet and the flavor of the Kool-Aid. And God says, shame on us if we don't give glory back to him. Who am I, David says. And the only response we can have is to worship, is to invest in his house, is to serve him, is to give, is to come is to tell others of his excellent greatness. I don't know about you, if you've watched the news recently, hurricanes, disasters, driven houses into the ground, houses that have lived for years in people's minds and memories, houses that people have lost as a result of a financial crisis through subprime loans, foreclosures, Maybe people, for whatever reason, have never been able to own a house in this world. I've been all over the world. I've seen shacks in Mexico, Brazil, Burma, and Thailand. Little huts that most of us probably wouldn't put our dogs in. Half the world lives in places like these. And yet I'm reminded... That this is so much more than a physical house. David isn't receiving from the Lord a house made with hands. He's receiving a lineage. And I'm reminded of what God says, that there are many who have lost houses or lands for my name's sake who will be rewarded. For we know that if our earthly house were dissolved, we have a building of God. It's a house not made with hands established in the heavens we can know that our redeemer lives and here's what he reminds us of though everything come against us though it seems like all is lost look at verse 28 and now O lord god you are god and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant in a world filled with false information and fake news truth wins out in the end God has the last word. And if he says it, you can take it to the bank. And when the bank closes down, God's word will still be there and it will still be true. If we believe his words by faith. It comes down to his covenant. I like the way John Piper describes this covenant. He says it is like God's self-written job description. God is basically outlining, here's what I will do for you. And there's nothing in this world that will ever change that. And when you live in that, you don't need a house. Because the God of this world has created you a house forever. And you will rule and reign and dwell with Him. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.